Merry Christmas to you. It is so good to be together with family at Christmas time, and it's good to get to meet new people and to learn people's names. And names are very important. We've been talking about that this Christmas season. Back in 2013, the New York Times had a story about a name that's very interesting I wanted to start with and share with you today. In Tennessee, there was a judge that was charged with the task of determining whether a child should be named the name that the parents had chosen to name the child. Sounds like a strange case, doesn't it, until you hear what they had wanted to name their child. The case came before the judge, and the child's name was Messiah. That's what they wanted to name their kids. Some, some of you have this look on your face going, what? Messiah is what they wanted to name the child. Now, I'm not exactly sure if the parents were that arrogant or if they just liked the sound of it or what. I don't know the reasoning behind them naming their child Messiah, but it came before the judge in Tennessee in 2013. And this is what the magistrate, Luann Ballow, said about the case. She said, and I quote from the New York Times, the word Messiah is a title, and it's a title that has only been earned by one person, and that one person is Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, let me remind you that a judge said that. Did you know that in 2012, there were 762 boys in the United States named Messiah? Isn't that interesting? Some of you are going... Why? <laughs> That's just... But hey, how about this? There were 3,758 boys in the United States in 2012 that was named Jesus. Jesus. So see, names are very interesting because they have context and they have meaning to us. And for some of us, we think, oh, why would you name a child Messiah? But others would say, why would you name a child Jesus? Names carry something with it, and it carries meaning to different people. And today we're going to be looking at the name Messiah, and we're going to look in Luke chapter 2, verse, verse uh, uh, first, Luke chapter 2 today, if you'll turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the very familiar story that all of you, most of you, probably can even quote it. You can tell me what's going to be said before I even read it, because you've heard it so many times during your lifetime. But I want us to pay particular attention to one particular word today. Verse 8, it says in chapter 2, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, the word that I want us to focus on is the word Christ, because in the Greek, that's Christos. And when you look at the Hebrew, it's Messiah. We sang a song today, Jesus Messiah. We hear the word Messiah. Can we explain what that actually means and what's the depth of that. And how can we know Jesus better by knowing this word Messiah? 
Now, the word Messiah can be used as a name or it can be used as a title, according to scholars. There are, there are uh, conversations back and forth. Is it a name or is it a title? Was it a title first and then became a name? I can tell you this. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not Jesus Christ. That's not His last name, okay? Christ carries with it this idea of Messiah. Somebody say Messiah. Now, if we were Jewish... I, wouldn't even not even, I would not even have to be up here to explain to you what Messiah actually means. But because we're not all Jewish, Messiah just kind of goes by, comes off of our tongue. We, we read it, we hear it, and we don't really think much about it. But the root of Messiah is important for us to understand Jesus himself. Messiah goes back all the way to Genesis is where we will find the foundations for a Messiah. What does Messiah mean? Messiah actually means the spreading of a liquid, actually. When you get down to the Hebrew, when it was first used in Jeremiah, it actually means the spreading of a liquid. That later became, that spreading of the liquid was the oil that would be put upon three different offices in the Old Testament we see. And that was the anointing when people would put oil on their they would spread a liquid and it came to be known as the anointing, the anointed one. So Messiah came to be known as the anointed one. Now in the Old Testament, you have three offices that would get anointed. A king, a priest, and a prophet. All three of those would be anointed in the Old Testament in the Jewish culture. And it was important for them to do this, to instill these people into these positions. But how does Messiah tie into all this? Messiah simply means the anointed one. And when we look in Genesis, we find the beginning of time and creation. And God created everything perfect and everybody got along great. Until the serpent showed up. And then he convinced them that there's more. You're missing out on something. And that's still the ploy that the devil will use today. He will... Get us to think we're missing out on something. We don't have the whole essence of what it is. And so we begin to explore and we begin to compromise. And that's what happened and sin entered into the world. And then in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the very first prophecy of a Messiah is found whenever God tells Eve that there would be a son and there would be a nipping on the heel of that child by the devil himself, which was a foretelling of Jesus. So it begins in Genesis to understand that there was a need for someone to come, and that someone would become known in the Old Testament as the Messiah. Now, Jewish people were looking for this guy, and they were anxiously awaiting this guy because they kept hearing about the promises of Abraham, how his generation would be more, more fruitful than the stars in the heaven. And the prophets would talk about how there would be a Messiah born in Bethlehem and there would be this Messiah. And in their minds, the Jewish people, when they heard Messiah, they heard deliverer from Rome. He is going to come along and free us from the oppression of Rome. That was their thinking of what the Messiah should do. But what happens is this Messiah comes in a way that they weren't expecting. 
He didn't come riding in on a, 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 a great big cloud busting through to, uh, you know, take names and kick butt. I mean, he, he came in as a humble baby in a manger, and they weren't expecting that. But the promises had been there. And this Messiah would be the one that would actually redeem and set people free, but not from what they thought. So as we think about the Messiah, that word carries with it some great and powerful meanings. The number one thing about Messiah, and you can write this down, is that when it comes to Messiah, there is a divine choosing, a divine appointment that comes when you talk about the Messiah. God chose the Messiah. Now, did you know that there was a lot of people that were called Messiahs in the Old Testament during that period of time? People would be called Messiah. A Messiah would rise up and he would claim to be the Messiah to set them free from the oppression of what was going on. But it would turn out that he would not be the promised Messiah. So what sets Jesus apart? He was divinely appointed by God from the very beginning that He would be the Messiah. See, the idea of Jesus isn't by accident. It is a divine design that in the name Messiah, we have this divine appointment. We also have in Messiah this idea of divine empowerment. Now notice, it's divine. It's divinely empowered. Uh, the Messiah does not get his power from people. It comes from God himself. So the Messiah was going to be and is divinely chosen, divinely appointed, divinely empowered. And the last thing we find about the Messiah is this, is that he was divinely prophesied. We were told and predicted that he would come. Now, here's an interesting thing that I've shared before, but I'm, uh, I want to share it again. There's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled in his time of being born to the time he died. Over 300 prophecies. Now, mathematically, if you take just 48 of those, it has been worked out by people much smarter than I am. But if you took a silver dollars and you stacked them two feet tall, you covered the entire state of Texas, and then you asked one person to take one chance, blindfolded, to find the one silver dollar that had a red mark on it. That would be the odds of one person fulfilling 48 prophecies. Two feet deep, silver dollars, the entire state of Texas, you got one shot to find the one silver dollar with a red mark on it, blindfolded. That would be the chances of one person fulfilling 48 prophecies. But Jesus fulfilled over 300. He was divinely predicted to be who he was. See, when it comes to Christmas time and we see mangers and we see Jesus and we talk about Jesus, it's not just a decoration. Jesus is not just a decoration to fill our home or to make us feel a little bit better about what we do. Jesus was sent from heaven to earth. It was the plan from the beginning. There was not a plan B. He was plan A. And today as we come... 
This day in 2022, we must understand that when we say Jesus Messiah, we understand that that one person was divinely appointed, divinely empowered, and divinely predicted that he would intersect your life and my life. Do you understand that? We're not talking about something separated from you personally. From the beginning of time, the plan for Jesus was to intersect your life. God had planned for you to be impacted by Him in His presence. Today as we, we come, there's a lot of options that we can, we can have in how we celebrate Christmas. How we celebrate Jesus. How we think of Jesus and how we look at Jesus. Some people will keep the baby Jesus out of their manger scenes. Some people will put Him in. Some people will have multiple manger scenes in their home. Some will have one special manger scene. Whatever you do is okay, but it's more important that Jesus is on the throne of your heart than in the scene for a manger in your house. He is the Messiah. For us who grew up Jewish, Messiah doesn't mean a whole lot. But if you had waited through the oppression, through all the heartache and shame that they had to endure, you would understand the word Messiah meant everything. They had, to, they had longed, they had looked for this Messiah to come. And then when he finally came, they didn't even recognize him and realize who he was. Even his disciples. Think about the disciples. They struggled with figuring out who he was. But there were moments of, of hope. Look, if you want to, look in John chapter 1. We find that there was one, whenever they, he first met, met him in John chapter 1 verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he, he found first his own brother Simon, who is Peter, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, the Christ. Did you know Messiah or Christ is used over 500 times in the New Testament? It's an important term. It's an important thing for us to grab hold of when it comes to Jesus. We also can find that there is an, uh, a conversation about Messiah in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well when Jesus was talking with her at the well. And she says to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The disciples at moments and times, they confessed, Peter did, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But Jesus declared himself to be the Messiah. He is, Jesus is God, right? We talked about that last week. And He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. And how, how do we get something out of this? How does this impact us? God made a promise to send a Messiah. And He fulfilled His promise. He did that for you. 
there had been no one else in this entire world, think about this, if there had been nobody else except for you, who would have said, yes, Jesus, I surrender my life. Ask, I ask you to forgive me and take over my life. I accept what you did on the cross. If you were the only one, you know what Jesus would have done? He would have left heaven, come to earth, was born as a baby. He would have lived the same life he lived. He would have died on the cross and took your place. Jesus did not come to be the Messiah for the masses. He came to be the Messiah for you. So when we say Jesus Messiah, understand that is a personal term of God intersecting your life through a promise that was made throughout all of Scripture that absolutely mathematically points to the fact that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. Jesus is the Messiah, not a Messiah, the Messiah. And we need to understand this term, and this is why. Did you know that other religions will say that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you know Islam in the Quran, it actually says Jesus is the Messiah? But do they understand what that truly means? No. It's just a term, it's just an attachment, it's just a title that carries no weight. But for you and I, the term Messiah should turn our eyes to worship Him more than anything. So today, as we look into this Jesus Messiah, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know this for a fact. That when it comes to Jesus, it is the Messiah who has rescued us from being the enemy of God. It's not your good works. It's not the church. It's not the Christmas season. It's not all those homemade desserts back there in the back that I am so anxiously awaiting to get a hold of. None of that will rescue us from being the enemies of God. But notice in this statement, there is a, there is a diagnosis you must understand. Every single one of us have found ourselves as the enemy of God. Pastor, really? I've been the enemy of God. I've tried to be a good person. I've, I've lived my life the best I can. I, I haven't done anything majorly wrong. Well, listen to this. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. While we were enemies of God. Have you ever realized you were an enemy of God at one point? Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. It also reiterates that same idea that says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, even though we were enemies of God, the Messiah paved the way for us to be rescued from having to stay that way. That in itself should cause us to rejoice. For the diagnosis of all of us is death to be an enemy of God. But through the Messiah, we can have life and have it more abundantly. He gave His life so you and I could have life. So we rejoice today that Jesus is the Messiah. So what do we do with this? We hold on to the hope of knowing 
that this one thing is true. That when we have the Messiah in the proper place of our life, we will find peace. Alistair Begg said a great quote about knowing this inner peace, and I want you to look at it with me. Alistair Begg talked about how the peace of God, when you know that Christ is who He is, and He's where He needs to be, He will be at peace in your heart. And it is the Old Testament that reveals Him and the New Testament that makes it real. In Acts, He is preached in the apostles. He is explained. And in Revelation, He is expected. This Messiah that was predicted in the Old Testament is the same Messiah that will return one day, but this time He will not come in a manger. He will come on a cloud. The first time He came as a Savior, the next time He will come as a judge. And we must understand that it is in this time that we get to proclaim the good news of a Messiah who was promised by God to come rescue us. Today, what will we do with this? I think it's remarkable to think that Jesus was divinely appointed, divinely empowered, and divinely predicted. And there are more prophecies saying He's coming again. But here's the beauty of it. As king, priest, and prophet. As king, he is Lord. As priest, he is intercessor. And as prophet, he is truth. And as we go forth this week, my seven-day challenge to you is this. Talk to someone about the three aspects of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's with someone in your family. Maybe you just have a conversation. And you talk about who Jesus really is and how we know that the Messiah, that term carries with it divine power, appointment, and prediction. And that in the role of Jesus, we have someone who intercedes for us, who's in charge of all the mess that goes on, and He can handle it, and that He is the one who gives us hope. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for your word today. Thank you for the Messiah who came. Lord, the Messiah was predicted in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament He arrives. Father, we thank you that we can lean into Christ, Messiah. That same word, Christ, means Messiah. Lord, we anxiously await Christmas to come. For some, it seems like it's so far away, especially when you're young and you're anxiously awaiting that moment and that morning of getting up and it just seems like it's never going to get here. But for others, it seems like it's, it's, it's already December the 11th. Really? Wow. Time is flying. Regardless, there is a promise that there is a day coming called Christmas. And God, you promised that there would be a Messiah come. And he came and he is coming again. Messiah is a divine term that you gave, that you a role that you appointed to this one called Jesus. May he be king, priest and prophet in our life. May he be in charge. May he intercede for us. May he be truth in our life. May he determine what we think. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. 
Pray that you'll work in our hearts and our minds that it, Messiah Christ will not just be a term that we read or a term that we hear, but there'll be a depth of meaning of the sacrifice, of the promise, of the hope that we can have. Lord, if there's someone here today who has never had the Messiah come into their life, Lord, some say this is one of the most important terms to understand. The Bible declares that if we understand Him to be Messiah, then we are children of God. So Lord, I pray today that someone will understand that Jesus is Messiah. That Jesus is what they've been looking for. That in all their searching and all their doing and all the trying to fix it and find it and nothing's working out, it's Jesus that's the answer. He's the promise. You've set it up. Lord, I pray today that they will surrender their life. They'll ask you to forgive them and take over their life. That you will become king of their life, truth in their life, and you will be the sacrifice for them. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Lord, as we understand you as Messiah, let us worship you as such. In Jesus' name we pray.